0: Hi, everybody. It's Brian Eisenberg, and I'm here with my friend Rick Segisi, who has an amazing training facility in Florida. I am always amazed at the kind of stuff that he's putting out. But I asked him here today because he's got such a fascinating background. He played in uh, three College World Series. That's right. Now, I'll let you fill in the details on that. And then be became a scout and now started training people from the time you played in the college world series. And, and if you can fill in people, the, the story of that to now, and the players you're dealing with now and helping get uh, drafted and recruited, can you tell people what's changed? What looks different?
1: Why training is different. The, the landscape has just changed completely. Now it's these athletes are bigger, faster, stronger. So mm-hmm. trying to get these, uh, these athletes that are coming in, in into my training facility trying to get them to be able to to stay up to par with some of these guys. The data, the objective data that we can get now as trainers, is just, it's amazing. And what we can see now is we're not just going on subjective knowledge in, in, in our just eyes, but we are able to go deeper and dive deeper and that's going to be able to push the athlete more and and even change some of the the programs that we do. And, and that's really what's changed a lot in the last, you know, I'd say 10, 15 years. Let's talk a little bit about your, your college world series experience because obviously you were
0: you were part of a great program what made you decide on that school and what do you
1: think made the program so successful at that point the tradition the history when they came knocking it was definitely something that I was uh, intrigued the opportunity um up to, to be able to play closer to where i live people in my family could come and see me those were all decisions that I factored in but ultimately a program that was not only rich in history, but had a history of going uh, deep into postseason and to be able to play at a college world series three consecutive years was, it was just kind of like a, a special dream come true. It was an experience that, uh, you know, just, I think every um, young guy just watches on TV and just would love to be there. And it's, you treat it like royalty, you treat it like a, a pro guy. So it's like being in the big leagues, I say it for a week so it it was an experience that that was amazing, and again, going to Miami, I knew there was a, absolutely a chance to be there. I didn't think I'd be had there for consecutive years, but I was lucky enough to be on some good teams. Let me ask you a hypothetical, knowing what you
0: know now and, and and I address this in you know in my book as well, with what I would do with my son differently. But knowing what you know now, how would you have trained differently in your high school college career?
1: Maybe it would have taken you farther. What do you think? Absolutely. I think uh, more into the, the, the psychological aspect. I did some visual stuff. I did a lot of physical stuff, but I think that the big thing that I would do differently is, is, is get more into the mental aspects, get more into the psychology. And this game was beaten, beats you up. And in the, in the back, back then it was like, you just had a sink or swim. There was no, there was no really someone to talk to or to try to fix your mindset. So I think the big thing would have been, is getting more to the aspect of the mindset. And that's
0: been a big theme of what you've been doing. Uh, you could, if you scroll down so people see your shirt there for a second, yes. and we'll get this on YouTube, but also on the podcast, yes. it says get iced, right? Yes. And you're not talking about ice at, in terms of recovery, but can you explain to them what you mean by iced?
1: Yeah. About, probably about uh, a year ago, I started saying, I want you guys to really work on inhaling confidence, exhaling doubt. And one parent came to me and said, "You know what that stands for?" And they go, "So I'm like, holy cow, that's a really catchy theme and name." So it took off, and so I started saying it like to all my clients throughout the, throughout their sessions. Hey, let's get ice. Let's get ice. And people started taking to it. So I, you know, about six months ago, I said, "Heck it, I'm going to make some products." Um, I see kids training here. They're doing well uh, in the training facility, but they're not bridging it to, to games. They're not taking this and going to the games. I know they have the physical ability. It's, that, it's the mental aspect. They were just letting the, self, the, the emotions overcome the, the expectations and all that. We came up with the word ICE and, and it's really been taken off. We got batting gloves, we got some sleeves and it's really helping kids just to bridge their training to games. And
0: I love that the, the, the concept of Inhale, because obviously we, the breath is so important as Alan Yeager, who wrote the forward to uh, to the, uh, the book, uh, Playboy Kid, always talks about the breath and it's been such a critical component. I still wear my brief bracelet, but I love mm-hmm. that concept of that inhale is not just a, a, a moment to get centered and to, to be where your feet are, but also to bring in confidence. Like that's such a powerful visual. Yeah. I, I think that's that That truly is,
1: I, I, I can't say any more. I, I just love that. Thank you. Yeah. It's teaching the kids to understand that inhale is when you bring in the power and the oxygen. It's a powerful thing to the body. And you're bringing in that and, you, and you're holding it for a split second and then releasing in a four count. And that release, and it's a naturally organic release, that's going to help to lower the heart rate and, and help be able to get the body in a calmer state so it can play with habits and not thoughts. And the big thing is it's the RAS. I'm saying, I want you to visualize what's happening to the body when you're exhaling. Feel how all that anxiety tension is leaving. That's the RAS, the reticular activating system of the brain that really has been produced well with visual boards. And it's really a, a, a really major concept. And it's a true concept that it really does work if you visualize what's happening and your body's physically feeling that it's going to change. You touch on a different point there also, because right now,
0: I think we're also dealing with a point where players tend to have more stress and the devices that we're connected to are meant to trigger some of those stress responses as well. And especially when they're on their baseball field, we need to reduce all those distractions, all those interruptions, and and just be centered into the game.
1: Absolutely. It's just. There's so, much, there's so much anxiety, so much tension, there's so much expectations, all these distractors, I call them, and they're just going to be able they're just going to rob you of your habits that you play and you tr- train so hard for. So I'm just trying to bridge that, that practice that you play and you practice with that mindset. It's more relaxed. It's a different environment. So, you know, trying to get them to get back into that somewhat of that environment, emotionally, internally, it's going to help them be able to utilize all those habits that they trained hours for.
0: Yeah, and it's one of the things I really respect a lot about you. Watching what you share on social media and having read your book as well, is everything you do is not just about the game. Obviously, the game matters, and we want everything everything to go well. But there's a bigger mission behind the training. There's a bigger mission behind the games. There's a bigger mission behind getting recruited or drafted, and. Your mission is to use all of that for one. And I'll let you finish it because it, that, that it really is the
1: premise of your book. And I, I think that's one of the ways we first connected. Absolutely. It's getting kids to, to be, be able to be the best version of themselves. I say, hey, it's not just, it's, it's going to start here, but it's not ending here. You're going to utilize this stuff in every facet of your life. It's goal setting. It's, it's learning to, to, to believe in yourself, learning how thoughts become an action and, and an action becomes a, a trait and, and, and a habit and learning how these things factor into school, factor into accountability, factoring into your possibly your career one day. So yeah, this, these things, we, we use the baseball as we call the, the engine, but it really is not the vehicle the vehicle is really going to be taking them to to other aspects and utilizing these things throughout their lives yeah turning them into from boys to men yeah and exactly and that's, that's where you, we came up with that that title and I you know, with your help as well so I appreciate that yeah no it's a great book and I think i I wish more
0: parents and student athletes would buy into realizing that when they choose a program, they need to choose it based on whether it's really going to help them. And, and I'm talking about you know, whether it's a travel program or a college program, that their focus is not just on the game, but it's really truly on making them exceptional human beings because as, as you said, and I've seen the biggest value out of all this time spent in the game and practicing and training is all the time and the relationships that, that I've developed both with my son, but obviously. That he's also developed with all his friends and teammates through all of this and th- those become lifelong and, and the habits
1: become lifelong and you never want to give that up no absolutely yeah the network is amazing and the people you meet along the way and the friendships you build those things like you said they're, they're lifelong and i think that's the one of the things they can take with them even when their playing days are, are done
0: okay so let's go a little bit into your training because I imagine some really old school coaches probably look at your stuff and be like, man, this guy's out of his mind. What is he doing with these different swinging baseballs? And he's using pressure mats and he's using the speed treadmills. Like there's all kinds of, every time there's something new and interesting. And I love the science uh, for the science sake and for understanding where it's going, but obviously you're using it and, and applying it to their improvements. How do you come up with the stuff? Where are you finding all the, all all these new things
1: to test? What's your favorite new things? I'm just generally curious. Yeah, a lot of these things I've come up with just, just through researching, learning, networking with individuals like myself, sharing thoughts and sharing our, our experiences and what works for them. And I like being different. I like trying to challenge the body. I always say, if you're not challenging, you're not changing. So if we're staying stuck in the same routines, I think it's not that it's bad, but I think it's something that maybe our body starts to get used to. So I'm always trying to adapt and change our programming, but challenging the body, the central nervous system to be able to adapt to maybe different aspects. So putting a body under stresses in different areas and different planes of movement that's going to be able to make sure they they are translates to a game translates to performance. So I always like to call it. We're going to, we're going to be, make sure that you're creating what you're creating in the gym is going to translate for you in the field. Yeah. We want to create power. Yes. We want to create uh, force, but we, we want to be fast at it. So, uh, we want to make sure we're not playing the game slow. So we want to make sure we're executing any movements in the gym fast and explosive. So that's where some of my tools and some of, my thoughts go into when I make these programs up. So recently, and 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 you turned me on to a new one that I'm just
0: diving into. I shared in my newsletter last week a link to their recent webinar, which was the V1 baseball pressure mat. Yeah, and I've seen you've been using that for probably a couple of months. At least you've been posting stuff yeah. about it. What what have you found most interesting? That's translated to helping your
1: athletes by using. That pressure mat, for example. So it's 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 been really eye opening for clients because they've been they can see actually where their pressure points are. Their their pressure, you can see mass, but you can you can you can feel pressure. So as an athlete, you don't really feel where your pressure is. So when they see that heat mat light up, and they can see, hey, my heel is is being not as red as it should be. I'm not driving through my heel as much. It's really eye opening. I think it's actually been one of the eye opening tools for my clients. Like it like the light goes off on. When they see this, it's like, wow, I can see what my feet are doing. What am I, how much force, vertical force am I putting into the mat? Where's my velocity graph going? Where am I going east and west and all that stuff? So it's been an eye-opening. Actually, it's probably been one of the most, even I'd say even a little bit greater than Rapoto. Really? Given them some, Yeah. I think it, it's given them a lot more to look at. It's really been uh, intriguing for some of my clients. Has there been anything since you've started using it that surprised you? Yeah, mainly that a lot of it is that is a lot of kids are quad dominant. They're not, they're not posterior dominant. I noticed a lot more toe, a lot more for, forefoot uh, pressure than I really thought was there. I looking at your foot, you look at it, you just think it's doing its thing. But I've noticed a lot more forefoot pressure than rear foot. And when we start into our, into our, any type of emotion to the horizontal plane, we want to make sure we're getting into our heels. And. That's one of the things I really, I think, have, has really been an eye-opener for me. Foot decoding is another thing I do with these athletes. Before they even start, I go th- let them stand on the mat, and we decode their feet through a static standing position. Where is your pressure points when you're standing still? Are they more heel-driven? Are you, are you the, in the various? Are you in the bowel gas? That's the inside, the outside of the foot. Where are you at? So that's going to really position me when we go hit, I can actually go saying, look at this, the foot decoding matches up to your dynamic movement or vice versa. So I'm I'm really diving into that. And then sometimes I even go into deeper things like the loaded squat if I need more information and then balance, four-stage balance tests and all that stuff. It's really eye-opening for me because it gives me ideas that I I could never see before. But being quad dominant has been a real big issue for some of my clients. Yeah,
0: it's funny because, I'm originally from Brooklyn, so I I always try to find the cheap way to do that. For parents out there, if you want it the cheap way, it's not scientific. It's not going to give you everything, but go look at the bottom of your kid's shoes. Right, yeah. the wear patterns will show you a little bit of. And unfortunately, some of the some of the shoes, and I and, and, and also I mentioned in the book that their shoe coffins. they're basically foot coffins. They're pushing mm-hmm. our the people to be toe dominant, as you said, because they've got that that big heel on the back. Yep. And parents don't realize that that's impacting their athlete and they want the athlete to go fast. And then they need to go to someone like you to help correct some of that. Why do you think so many people just don't understand these basic principles? Like we know that power comes from the ground up. W- why aren't we spending more time understanding that force of the foot and taking care of
1: it? I think a lot of it has to do with just it's like the missing piece. You put a shoe on, it's like like a hidden piece now. You you think of a shoe, you're not thinking of what's in the shoe. I I think that has a lot of value. I think people just think about the the big aspects that the legs, the upper body, the torso, which is all important, but it all starts and ends in your feet. And I'm going to go even deeper into like your big toe. Your big toe is is roughly 40%, you know, give or take. Of your rotation. Yeah, and rotation. You need to make sure you should be doing barefoot training. You should be working on your toes strength with bands you should be taking your feet and at the end of the day and putting those yoga toes on and, t- and toe spreaders we got to make sure we take our feet and they hold us up every day. and the, and i think it's one of the most neglected aspects of our body um especially as an athlete because you see them taking care of their shoulders and their backs and their knees and their hips but what about your feet that's really starting with the ground and and going from there yeah, I don't know. I think it's mainly the answer to that question. I think it's mostly because people push on and they forget your feet are just not even existent now.
0: Yeah, I think it's funny because if you look at a lot of Latin American players, you even see you know, some of them are, are, are on their dirt fields barefooted, mm-hmm. you know, playing or, or, or yeah. very flat sandals and stuff like that. And they're still playing and they don't seem to have some of those same issues. But by the way, on the toe spreader thing, it's all wonderful until your feet get to about size 16. Yeah. And then those things start choking your your toes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true.
0: <laughs> I didn't think about that. So I've we've gotten with Sammy where he can only put it on his big toe because of the rest of them just will choke will choke his feet. Wow, wow.
1: Is he a sixteen? He's a size sixteen extra wide. Wow, wow. That's unbelievable. So
0: I I, I want to come back because I I shared with you. And on, on Twitter, I shared a video of Sammy about six months after he was training. And you can see he, I love my son, but he was not the most athletic kid in the world. He was a big kid, obviously loves the game, was always you know passionate about the game. And and you recently saw him do like a 470-pound deadlift. Now, when you if you would have seen him when he first came in, that, that video,
1: mm-hmm. what
0: would you have assessed him?
1: Just someone that his neuromuscular control, his mobility, just someone that really was just not dysfunctional, but just definitely was very raw in their movement patterns. And and what would have happened if Sammy did not
0: pursue training for the last five years? Do you think he would have had a chance, based on the way he was moving, to really either play in college
1: or, or get scouted and I don't want to make this about Sammy I'm talking about an athlete that moves that absolutely not I, I would have not I would have not not have thought anything like that I would have just said that guy needs a lot of work he's before you remember movement over mechanics he, he would have needed a lot more work to get that movement better before we can even get into the mechanical aspect
0: now and he's an extreme case there are a lot of athletes who are somewhere in the middle they're not ultra elite athletes and i You've played with some of them, and obviously you scouted some of them. Those guys who are in the middle, what's going to help them get to that next level to catch the attention of a scout or a college coach?
1: It's just commitment, dedication, and trust in the process. And most importantly, surround yourself with trainers, coaches that will motivate you and that that are not afraid to grow and learn themselves because this game is evolving and if they're evolving with the game and they're training you, you're going to be able to stay up to speed with your competition. And I think that's the most important thing is you are who you hang out with, you are who you be around and you need somebody to motivate you, but also be able to learn and understand to grow in their field so you can be maximizing your potential as an athlete.
0: Now, like I said, you put out some very interesting things on your on your uh, social media, Instagram, um, and and Twitter, and we'll give everybody where they can follow you later. Most of your work is one-on-one, right? And I know you'll do hitting with them. You'll do strength training with them. You'll do all kinds of stuff. But if someone were to like be a fly on the wall, what would be the oddest
1: thing that they would see that a hundred percent produces great results? I would have to go back to some of the psychology stuff that I do with them. And that would be telling them over 50 times an hour that you're a champion and you're a winner. And the smallest things I say that was going to happen in this place through what I say, not what I do with you. And so they look at me like I have five heads when they look at me and I say, you're a champion. I believe you. And I even had some clients tear up because it's, these are things that they don't hear. But I always tell people, we can go in there and train, but if you don't understand the belief system and understand, believe that you can and will get to where you want to be with persistence and dedication and hard work, then we're not going to get there, no matter how much work I do with you. So I think the oddest thing that people would hear is that say that 40, 40 or 50 times in an hour, you're a champion, you're a winner. I believe in you. And really saying with dedication, commitment and really big passion, I think that would be a big eye opener for them.
0: Yeah. I, I I can't even express how much I love that because I know in today's academic world, kids aren't hearing it that much. You just have to listen to what you hear on baseball fields today—that it's more destructive than constructive—and and to have them have that kind of reinforcement to their confidence is so valuable. Yeah, that's that that, that again. It, it, it's why I know you're doing amazing things. And I'm so grateful for what you share, because there are a few accounts out there. They're, they're always putting out great information for the Bill Millers of the world and Jared great stuff. But when I want to, when I want to look at someone who's trying to put it directly, something new and, and interesting and put it into practice, I, I find your account just fascinating to constantly push my brain into new areas. Like I said, I I had a conversation with Kenny Hatcher from V1 because of all the stuff I've seen you doing with the pressure mat because I I, I find that such an important area. But the problem is, again, as opposed to golf, which is so much further ahead in instruction with data, that most coaches don't know what to do with that kind of data. They don't even, they're not thinking about they're not in the heel and how's it impacting the big tuck. Like this is not common baseball language and it's holding back development because the truth of the matter is, yeah, you can take kids who move as poorly as Sammy did and create athletes who have a future who can keep playing the game as long as they keep committing to the process.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's fixing, like you just said, fixing movements. It's I can get athletes in there and they can't stand a lot, stabilize on one leg. Really, I have no business trying to teach them how to hit a baseball because they have to move better. If they don't have good 35 degrees in the dorsiflexion of ankle flexion, then that's their biggest liability. These things have to be, we got to break it down before we start diving into things because then we're setting them up for failure. And then how's that building up their confidence? So we want to make sure we're setting them up in the proper way, you know, mechanically you know, through movement and then building up their mindset. And then building up their visual and then keeping their, their getting their mechanical aspect going. I have parents come in to me. I had a guy in Michigan yesterday and he's, this stuff is fascinating. It goes, it's more deeper than I thought. And I said, it is. I said, this is, it's like a science lab. I said, it's, it's a lot that I got to look at. I got to adjust my thoughts on not what I know, but how am I going to educate that my, my client in front of me, what's his personality, what's her personality, what's, How are they taking on to my, my, my verbal commands? Do I have to change the environment to get them to do what I want them to do? So there's so many things that are like, that are going on behind the scenes to try to get the results you want. And you have to constantly adapt to that. You can't be stuck on one way. You got to adapt based on what the client.
0: And, And I remember we had a conversation a few years ago, like after Sammy broke his ankle and I told you, he tried the Rotex motion. To improve that ankle mobility because he couldn't get that eversion inversion at all, he just wasn't used to it. And you right away, went ahead, went ahead and started experimenting
1: with it as well. Yes, yes, and through your guidance, you, I love the stuff that you use too, and that you're always trying to find the best thing for Sammy. And it's, I'm, I'm intrigued on always saying, hey, there's always something out there that that might help my athlete. And in those that Rotex is another been another game changer. Even when I had Mike Yaskirmski in a few months ago, he got on that thing and he just, he's the next day, he's like, I want to do that again. I want to do that again. And he's felt like how much loosening of his hips did. And it's amazing how much a little thing like that can impact a movement such as hitting or pitching.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that when Sammy goes away to school, he's going to like take all this stuff with him. So one, it'll clear up some room around my house. Yeah. He's got Lots of little toys. but. I think what it will do to, a, to the program that he's at, well, they'll have access to all these things. So it's just, it's a small JUCO, a relatively new program. And it, it's interesting because one of the things I've been doing and, and we'll, we'll wrap up on this one. One of the things I've been doing this past few months is I'm watching a lot of college baseball at all different levels. Okay. So first thing I noticed is a not every team and I don't care what level is throwing 90 plus mile per hour arms. There are plenty of 80-mile-per-hour arms. I've even seen somebody barely scrape 70s in, yep. in a game. Okay, so let's stop believing the D1 and bust mentality and the 90-mile-per-hour and bust mentality. There's lots of opportunities if you learn how to play the game, the mental side, the, the throw strikes. That's one. And I've been looking at a lot of the team stacks, right? Because to me, team stacks tell me a lot more about the program and the lab and how they're approaching things. So for example, I'll, I'll look at Javi de Jesus and Ivy Tech and their pitching staff. With the exception of one guy, everybody's got a super low ERA. And I know Javi's playing with the kinetic arm. I don't know if you've seen that. And I've had Jason on my podcast recently, the founder of that. He's been playing with Clean Fuego and and, and just using all kinds of data to help his athletes. And look here, his team is doing great. They're not counting on. One or two, three pieces of talent, because it's easy to take talented people and have them perform. The trick is how do you take the average guy or just the guy who's almost there and get them to that next level? That's what excites me by the use of science and data, and 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 training. And I think you exemplify that in, in everything you do. If 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 you were to let parents know, like how they can find a trainer, a program that focuses on these things. What are the clues that they need to seek out in order to find something to help
1: their kid get to that next level? I think the biggest thing is, is getting them to understand, you know, kind of almost do like an interview. Find your trainer by interviewing them, seeing if they're, they exploit the things that you need, not just the knowledge. And I think so many um, parents go to what the success of that trainer was okay he played pro ball and 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 that's where their credibility goes to i think it goes way beyond that that's telling us that the the gentleman or the lady that you're hiring is was a good athlete now i need you to know i want to how know how do i help my kid how is you going to help my kid how is that going to translate to my kid you're not paying for their success past success you're paying for what they can do for them connect with your client are they connecting Are they knowledgeable? Are they motivating? Are they, are they somebody that's going to continue to grow? Are they looking outside of the training session? Do they care? Do they still answer questions that you have? So small things like that, I think is the big thing, but making sure they, they connect with them on a personal level first, because the, the communication is key. And if you don't connect with somebody. On, a, on that level, the communication is not great. It's, it's going to be a break in the system. So I think you got to look at many things besides past successes of a trainer, and it goes way beyond their successes.
0: Terrific. If people want to find more about uh, you online, as well as uh, your facility,
1: can you tell them uh, where to find you? So we, we're on different platforms. We're on Twitter um, at Coach Rick 37. We are on Instagram at T O T D Coach. We are on uh, Facebook and it's I Think Outside the Diamond, the name of the company. We're also on YouTube and that's just under my name. And you can find us and we have some subscribers and we'd love to have more. So please reach out and, and, and uh, we can even, I think we even run LinkedIn now. I think I'm on there. Yeah. So you can find us. There's four or five different places you can find us. We'd love to, you know, chat with you. We love communicating. We love hearing your thoughts. And if, if you don't follow us by asking you personally, please do.
0: Yeah. And I plead with people, please do, because I think it'll open your eyes into what's possible as, as far as training. So, Rick, thank you so much for your time today. Like I said, I, you were you tremendous. I keep doing the amazing things you're doing. You're definitely making a difference.
1: I appreciate Brian. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I really appreciate that.